from Double Door Studios at Manassas National Battlefield Park. I'm Nikki Bland. And I'm Franny Robin. This is A Different Truth. A Different Truth can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like and follow us on those platforms. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating and a review. That helps us get more views and show up in more searches. You can also check us out at our website, adifferenttruthpodcast.com. We will share resources and information on our website and social media platforms, where you can also send questions, comments, and ideas for future podcasts. We really want this to be an interactive engagement with our listeners, so please let us hear from you. Thanks again for listening. In this episode, we discuss cancel culture and what it really means. Maybe some things should be canceled, like the abuse we've been heaping on BIPOC since before our country began. There's a lot to cover. Let's get into it. Franny. Hi, Nikki. <laughs> We're back on our new favorite um, way to record, <laughs> medium platform, whatever. Yes. Um, yeah. So we we had two two positives. We figured this out technologically, and we kept a podcast under forty five minutes. So, I say we've earned ourselves a treat. I know, right? <laughs> So, so we were just chatting about, um, cancel culture and thought we would jump on here. And, um, a couple of things have happened. Um, gosh, it's like the buzzword du jour, right? Um, and you know, my point to you was it's not cancel culture. Mm-hmm. let's call it what it is, which is accountability culture. And for too long, certain voices have drowned out all of the others. And now there's a pushback on that in that minority voices, and I don't just mean racial minorities, but um, any minority group who doesn't fall into the classic normative categories of, you know, white, male, hetero, Christian, whatever the rest of them are, right? Um, They're finding their voice. You know, we talked about that on the last, um, on the last episode about, you know, people finding their voice, women finding their voice, um, especially as you're coming out of trauma or dealing with your trauma. Um, So I think to have um, anybody who is held accountable for their words or actions um, and called out on that, for them to immediately cry cancel culture, I I just think it's smoke and mirrors Um, because I don't see, and I think a lot of people don't, agree that that's what's happening 
um, because cancel culture has this um, negative connotation of, you know, you're trying to silence me. Mm -hmm. And I just find it ironic that the people who have silenced so many for so long immediately cry foul and that they're being canceled when anybody dares to push back on their agenda, their words, their actions. And so this whole idea of cancel culture, I mean, just look at what happened with Dr. Seuss, right? A couple of weeks ago and how his family decided to pull certain books out of publication that were known to have racist messages. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, people started crying and and I'm just, I'm not going to put around far right conservatives, (laughs) you know, started oh my gosh, now we're canceling Dr. Seuss. Like what we're doing is, you know, first of all, we didn't do anything. His estate did it, which is perfectly within their right to do because, oh, by the way, aren't you guys the same ones who were all for capitalism and I can do what I want with my assets? (laughs) So that's what they were doing, but they decided to twist it into something um, that it wasn't. So no, Dr. Seuss was not under attack. He was known for having problematic, you know, Mm -hmm. views and what's wrong with removing something, you know, it gets back to our last conversation. Every generation that comes up that has access, you know, you're either in the camp of being, you know, seeing images as a child that mock who you are, or you are being taught if you're not being reflected in those images, that it's okay to treat people that way. It's the othering, right? When you have you know, some of the characters were like very, um, you know, Asian caricatures and, you know, it was negative. So why would we want to continue to perpetuate that sort of um, negative stereotype? Like that's, that's how you break cycles. Yeah. Again, as you were talking about last time. But the thing is, um, you know, I, I really, didn't participate in consuming too much of that either because I felt like it was kind of nonsensical. Yeah, it is. Um, It just, it's it's almost a silly example of this obsession with um, I'm going to cry oppression anytime you hold me to account. I mean, well, we could even take the conversation a little bit deeper, full oppression. I mean, if some, if there are people in the dominant culture who so much deny that there are oppressed people within our society, that they're manufacturing oppression so that they could feel some sort of victimization or hold on to what uh, often a lot of people tend to the victim mentality. It's not, it's not that what what's happening is full oppression. And so I didn't, I didn't consume too much of the, the Dr. Seuss thing. Cause like you said, when I read it, the estate made a decision to pull those those books but it's not canceling dr seuss you know it's yeah it's it's not and even if it was a canceling campaign it would be deserved it would be rightfully deserved for 
um, ostracizing people who are different and feeding into um, a, a, a narrative that, like you were saying, Nikki, that others, uh, that does the othering of people mm -hmm. and that results in death. And it's unfortunate that there are people who have not had to walk in certain oppressed people's shoes where when the light is shown on what they've used to, what they've grown up as, oh my gosh, I'm, I, this is my childhood. Yeah, but it's it's when you listen to the story of the people who it's drawn to reflect and they also feel like they have to now live their life in such a way to assimilate to a culture and lose their identity because what they're now bent on having to do is to make of the, the dominant culture feel, feel comfortable. You're, you're dismissing whole culture groups. You're allowing people to deny a whole parts of themselves to assimilate to a level of comfort that, that, that the dominant culture don't have to do for any other person, you know? Right. And, um, and yeah. And I think about too, like, it's again, I even just said it like, oh, it's kind of a silly example, except it isn't, right? I mean, it is well known. And depending on what you're talking about, I think everybody would agree that how impressionable the young mind is. Yeah. And how yeah. early kids mm -hmm. are taught, not just racism, but, you know, how many, here's a, here's an example how many babies' first words or one of the first handful of words they say is no? You know why? Because they're they're starting to, you know, crawl around to toddle. And so we're constantly saying no, no. Right. <laughs> I just made that up. I'm not a child psychologist, but it's, it's not a stretch, right? And, you, you know, all of the talk about how, you know, the time kids spend on social media is negative. So we're, we know that what yeah. we put into kids... Mm -hmm. influences them either for good or for bad and so yeah. to sit there and say um or to dismiss what the family you know or the estate of dr seuss decided to do to protect young minds or who knows maybe that's the result or, or whether that was lies. their original intention I mean? yeah. yeah why is that wrong and you can't say well you're just making a huge deal out of a silly children's book. What are you going to go after next? You know? And so I think yeah. I, you know, it's really baffling. It's troubling to me, Nikki, that, um, that anytime other groups are being amplified, anytime other groups with a history of expecting silence or expecting submission or expecting assimilation. Every time any members from those groups and other groups start using their voice, there's always this doubling down campaign from people within certain groups or certain within dominant culture to kind of put them back in their place. That's exactly what's happening. To go back in your place, do not step out of line. This is what we're used to. This is what we're comfortable with. This is how it has always been. Why are all of a sudden you you're now wanting to come out of what we have always expected you to be and what you've always been? Why the sudden change and not necessarily realizing that well it's not who we are it's mm -hmm. what we wanted us to be and I just I I just think it's you know and and like you're saying all we have to do is look at ourselves look at our belief systems look at what we hold as our core values 
And where did we get that from? Even the very fact that we want Dr. Zeus to go back to being what it used to be. <laughs> where right. did you get that opinion? How did you form that opinion to expect people who have been treated as other to continue to remain as other, as if, you know, they're not going to, people are not going to want to have ownership of the identity. And there's so much I could say about that. Yeah, too, yeah. This, uh, my kids and I were having this conversation yesterday. And I remember when I was a young mother and I wanted to protect my kids and shield them and to raise them in a well-rounded manner. And a lot of the things that I've been taught and uh, taught to accept um, as uh, part of raising healthy Christian kids um, to be, have uh, Christian values of moral, of good character. I remember not watching Harry Potter. Why? <laughs> as witches, as witchcraft. And then I remember watching Lord of the Rings. Why? Because it's a perfect example of a God story and a friendship, but there's magic, there's witchcraft, there's, you know, yeah. fantasy. Um, and it's just amazing to me what certain groups or what certain elements of our culture we want to elevate and certain, you know, even like um, Lecrae. I will never forget that time I was on Instagram, I think back in 2017 or sometimes scrolling. And I remember seeing him posted during Black History Month of uh, an, um, like, an, like a, an old photo of people in the cotton fields. And I think he said something to the effect, the ancestors, or it could have been my generation, or it's not so far removed from my generation and it could have been me or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading it the morning and I, I, I went to work and I remember coming back and I, the backlash was instant. And at the time, and I follow up Cray now because I, I actually like his music and I like the stance that he's turned. His, I like the, the, the way he's using his voice and the way he's using his platform. And a majority of his followers were white Christian conservatives. And the fact that he started to identify with the ancestral history of Black people made so many of his followers so uncomfortable. There was an attempt to, uh, you know, be to do what we're talking about right now, yeah. cancel him. And, you know, I just think, and I've seen pastors talk about, I'm not a fan of cancel culture. Get out of that space because we are cancel culture. Christians are cancel culture. We're the dominant advocates of cancel culture because right. Christians tend to take on a, uh, uh, a walk of legislating morality and anything that doesn't meet our definition of what morality is according to what our belief systems are, we cancel it. There was a post. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I saw uh, somebody posted today. In fact, it was like a picture of a huge list of things, right? Especially from our childhood, right? We're, what are we? Gen X? I think so. I think we're Gen X. I don't know what we are. I'm so, I don't know. I've that, had but, this conversation with my kids. Know, they they kind like, of called me boomer one time, but I know I'm not boomer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, all the things were on there. You know, you just said yeah. um, Harry Potter, even yeah. though that was a little bit later than us, but like Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. Yeah, and I remember Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, yes. Ozzy Osbourne was the devil. You know, um, pick your hair metal band, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you bring up Lecrae, and um, I think uh, another another person I was reading about 
um, just last night was Elliot Page. Um, yes. You know, she was, uh, I apologize. He was Ellen Page. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up as a girl, knowing mm-hmm. he, that's not who he felt himself to be, even as a child. And yeah. and just an amazing story. But um, when you see people who do have a platform using it, um, you know, to bring um, attention, just like Colin Kaepernick. I mean, anyone, there's so many. Um, and then they get criticized, like, well, how hard Colin are you suffering? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I guess kneeling was okay, after all. As um, long as, oh, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so this week, in fact, uh, today, I think, um, the uh, Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game out of Atlanta, Georgia, as a sign Good of for protest them. for the voting restrictions that Georgia just passed. And... Um, you know, I had posted the other day on our page um, that, let me see if I can find it, something like 273 um, laws had been, um, I'm going to find it, hold on, 253, sorry, bills across 43 states have been introduced to restrict voting access despite little evidence of voter fraud. We have had seven mass shootings in the last week and only offer thoughts and prayers. In America, black and brown people voting is considered more dangerous than guns. Mm-hmm. And um, not getting into a gun debate here, but of course, you know, there's going to be an attempted justification for these voting restrictions, right? I mean, we are going backwards. I was shocked. I don't know why I still get shocked by things. I still hope for the best. And then when it doesn't work out, you know, I'm just like, what? Um, but that that many pieces of legislation would be introduced to restrict voting rights. And yet at the same time, we're going to, you know, fire and brimstone against any attempt to restrict my ability to buy a gun. And I just, the, inability to see the fallacy of logic there is just what makes me want to beat my head against a wall but so of course is as soon as major league baseball made that decision here comes you know everybody of the opposite opinion saying you know that the uh they're just trying, you know, invoking cancel culture. Now they're calling for the, you know, quote, cancellation of the MLB by, um, you know, revoking their antitrust status. And it's like these wars of who is being more oppressed, which none of it's oppression. I mean, in that case, none of it, but should organizations or people who have a platform not speak up they have a platform now i'm i have certainly been one to say um you know thank you so and so i don't need you telling me how to vote (laughs) but um that's because i do my own research and you know try to keep myself informed um you know and i used to sort of make fun of if you will you know, the generation behind us who, you know, they get all their news from Jon Stewart at the time. And it's like, 
Well, I mean, some of those guys, they might be doing it in a funny way, but some of them actually are sharing information. (laughs) And hey, Mm -hmm. if that's the way they're getting it, then what's wrong with that? So, you know, it's, I guess it's sort of two, two points there, you know, should people be using their platforms if they have one? I think yes. And, you know, just the hypocrisy of those crying cancel culture, when really what they're saying is, I must remain dominant, you know, I must remain the dominant voice in the room. And they're not willing to be held accountable. And any sort of pushback on anything they do is basically deemed rebellion and stepping out of line. Well, I mean, I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt that said, um, you know, you're not going to be remembered by following along with what everyone wants you to do. It's you re, you you become a rebel when you step out of sync with conformity, when you step out of sync, when it literally what's keeping you oppressed, what's keeping you with not fully existing as a human, with not fully existing within the, um, the spheres to participate in justice and liberty and the freedoms to pursue happiness. You know, um, the people who are, like you're saying, um, who don't want to, who want to keep the control, they're the ones that's denying that everyone enjoy those things. But in the next breath, when you're talking about patriotism, when you're talking about saluting the flag, you know, they are the most patriotic and they believe in the liberty and justice for all. But then when people who actually are exercising their rights and their voice and the freedom to express that, they're the ones that's, you know, wanted it like Corey was saying. And we were having the very conversation that, you know, as much as people are rooting for you to, to take action when they're praising you and affirming you and then you actually do it and they're like, sit down. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I, we, we were talking about this just the other day. I think SpongeBob has been on for the past 20 plus years. And I remember when my kids were young, there was this move within the faith community to cancel SpongeBob. And the reason for that was they believed that SpongeBob was teaching young children to curse using SpongeBob curse words, fish paste, tartar sauce. And we were, you know, I stopped, I, I forbade SpongeBob to, to play in my house at all. And then once the kids were sneaking and watching it and they had all these SpongeBob jokes. So I decided to watch SpongeBob and let me see exactly what we're talking about. And I walked away was like, man, that is one hardworking sponge. <laughs> well, and I think his friend, Pat- was it, was it his friend Patrick, his was, friend Patrick was supposed to be gay or something. So that was, of course, I never that. saw that. I don't, don't quote me, don't quote me, but, but it could have been, it could have yeah. been something, a talking point within that community. And then I just realized, oh my gosh, this is so ridiculous. I remember, um, so I was in high school when The Simpsons came out. And um, I, of course, we were not allowed to watch that trash. Well, fast forward. And now my mother incorporates The Simpsons into her college English class because it's like, um, uh, what does she say? It's, It's like a commentary on you know, it's social commentary, right, on our, you know, what's happening in the world and blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah. you know, she loves it. Now Homer's like a family member. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just think that we make a lot of assumptions about some things, certainly, yeah. um, especially, um, 
in the Christian community and, you know, this is bad and it's going to, you know, warp my children and, you know, cause them to fall away from God and things like that. And, you know, that that's a whole nother episode in terms of shelter, you know, being sheltered um, or sheltering your children Um, and everybody's got to decide what's right for them. But yes, you know, we've talked a lot about some of the things that we've experienced um, in the church and, you know, I don't blame my parents necessarily, you know, at all because they were, you know, my parents were saved when I was a baby. I don't remember exactly how old. Um, I'm sure I've heard the story, but so, you know, they've been Christians for decades, um, but they grew up, you know, so to speak, in their faith um, at a time when a lot of this sort of idea of um, keeping the things of the world away from your children you know, I don't know, maybe because the they felt like the world was getting worse at that time, you know, in the 70s, who knows? Um, I'll have to talk to my parents about that and just kind of pick their brain a little bit. <laughs> Look at the world um, now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, then turn around. Now we are raising teenagers, young adults. And, yeah. um, you know, we're sort of like, well, we sort of, of course, everybody who says, I will never be my parents is their parents. And (laughs) so, um, you know, but then, you you know, once in a while you do go, actually, that's kind of silly. Like we don't need to do it that way. Um, So I'm, I'm making light of, you know, some of the less insidious (laughs) things that can, you know, happen in the, in the church community. But, um, you know, I think it's just important. I, I think what, just irks me the most about this whole concept um of cancel culture is just the hypocrisy and the the one that i keep coming back to especially in the last three months is how many people said in watching the black lives matter protests last year after the deaths of so many um that you know and it wasn't just last year but anytime there's um, what's and and um, I think I mentioned I was reading the book Difficult Conversations with a Black Man um, mm-hmm. by Acho, and he was saying, you know, that um, sort of pointing out the differences between like how much language matters and the difference between a protest and a riot, you know, and on the different words we use and the connotation mm-hmm. each one has. And mm-hmm. um, so, how many people have looked at, you know, race? race riots or um not even that so much as um because i'm not talking about like the big historical events but just protests in general where property damage occurs and oh Mm -hmm. my gosh i can't believe you would burn down your own town and you know or or wreck the stores in your town like this is where you live why Mm -hmm. would you do that and and then january 6th Mm -hmm. and people who are protesting where property damage may occur Mm -hmm. are doing so because people are dying. Mm -hmm. The people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th, first of all, believed a lie about the results of the election. 
And to your earlier point, I think really just ultimately more people disagreed with them than agreed. So we Mm -hmm. got the results of the election that we got and they weren't going to have that. But all of the sudden they do what they did to the Capitol clearly armed with equipment to take congressmen and senators hostage to cause real damage. People died. Yeah. Yeah. And you destroyed the seat of our government um, or, you know, caused significant damage to the seat of our government. That building, which is, you know, the iconic, you know, representation Mm -hmm. of our democracy. And I just want to ask them, oh, so now I guess you do know what it's like to want to burn it all down. Heretofore, you've never understood how anybody could feel such a way that they would go so far as to, you know, damage their own towns and cities and neighborhoods. But you lose an election and suddenly you get it? Mm -hmm. Like just... I can't I can't get I can't wrap my brain around it and yeah. just the denial of what's actually happening and the ability to couch mm-hmm. it as I am being oppressed when really we're just marching towards 2040 is it 2040 2042, I think, when, Is that the that, not, when the, the dominant culture will no longer be, be white. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I just felt like that's something I kind of come back to and want to just wish somebody would speak to it. But I don't know that we're ever going to find anybody who supports or at least is willing to be open about having supported what happened at the Capitol on January 6th and really be also willing to be introspective and look back at, you know, maybe they didn't say it themselves, but Mm -hmm. there's certainly a belief and a narrative that protests resulting in property damage are just riots and, you know, by opportunists. But what happened there wasn't what happened you know i think you know um one of the reasons i i appreciate doing this podcast is our ability to now be a voice of change and to influence what words are spoken um and so i think um yeah it's it's mind-boggling to me that um i used to read a a particular conservative uh, report and um i would read uh, another this another headline on a, a less conservative um, post, and the headline would read on on, on one this on, on this particular conservative uh, reporting page, it would refer to like incidents where people of color, uh, especially young males, that had engaged in something, say say a crime of some sort, and he it would refer to them. It would be reported on this particular post as oh uh, there was report as gangs and thugs and on on the post which is a more um a less conservative uh, you know page um 
they would refer to the same headline as a group of young men. And there is this indoctrination that's happening. And I do believe that we are capable of changing the dialogue. And I am bent on creating change in all these spaces that I am existing within. Um, especially, you know, when we're talking about people of the faith, if some, you know, like I had this kid come to my front door and he was asking me something about signing up to vote or appointing delegates to create change in Virginia to vote or something. And he was talking about the reason it's the, the, the foundation for it is the massive voter fraud. And I, and then he was, I was like, well, you know, our conversation proceeded and I was like, well, um, what is, we, we, I asked him a couple of questions and I asked, I asked him this question, like, which party are you with? And he told me, and I said, well, what is your issue? What is the issue that you have right now? And he said, well, I have an issue with the Biden administration. And I was like, well, what's your issue with the Biden administration? And he said, I have an issue with the handout. And it's kind of like, well, if you want to talk to me any further, you're going to have to call it what the administration before Biden called it. And it's a stimulus, you know? And it's so mm -hmm. like, so I'm saying that to say like in this spaces, Yep. I'm so on a mission to 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 to, to reclaim um, humanizing the truth um, and getting rid of uh, the thug, the labels, the negative stereotypes, and feeding that. And they, like you're saying, you know, there are people who don't read, and they'll hear and they'll listen to these talking heads, and that's that's premised on hate. And I remember I, I was listening to Rush, Rush Limbaugh, and I was hearing him demean Kamala Harris and he was talking about oh she's not black enough and she's not down with the cause and she's not on the mission for the blackness and the and I was just like listen to this guy talking about Kamala not being down with the cause when the same cause that people are protesting um to um, to amplify their voice and the for justice and freedom he denies yeah and he wants to weaponize that and use it against another person of color he's fully aware of the cause so i'm saying all that to say we have the power to take back those words and we have the power to put out new information because those people who are weaponizing and preying on the fears of other people they are there they know what they're doing so as much as he was like down with the cause to weaponize it against kamala he knew what the cause was but he, yeah, denied he wasn't it. like saying we need somebody <laughs> blacker to help right right he's mocking it's, her and the cause yeah and the cause so and he, mm -hmm. he's fully aware of it and then when he has to speak to what the cause actually is he denies that there is racism. He denies that there is oppression. He's denied that he denies that people of color are marginalized and doesn't have um, equal access and equity. He denies all those things, but when he has to weaponize it against someone else, oh, there is an actual cause, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, in the spaces that we're existing within, I do believe that we, we have ownership uh, and we have to take ownership of the space to say, you know what, we're going to put this information out and we're going to change the dialogue. And when you repeat what you are hearing, repeat it accurately. And if you choose to not repeat it accurately, especially if we know that we've said it, then you know that you are denying and you're choosing to be a person that's walking in ignorance. Because at the end of the day, we have access and, and the freedoms to share what is truth, what is factual. And, you know, especially we are a different truth podcast. And I, I think we've done a phenomenal job 
putting information out there to educate people who want to be educated. Now, if you don't want to be educated, that means you want to just hold fast to ignorance. But at the end of the day, yeah, we're going to, we're going to take those things back. We're going to take the riots back and we're going to call them protests because out of protest comes change. We're going to take those words back and share that protest creates policies that benefits the people who put their life on the line. And where they would like, you know, that these rioters and, of the 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 terrorists uh, who stormed the Capitol on the sticks, and we need to call them what they are. They were homegrown terrorists because yeah. when people do, you know, they when and we know what the definitions are, and we know why they use those terms that they're used. So we when when, when we're talking about, we have the power to say, people who are marching for change, who are protesters, who rightfully own the fact that they are protesting for change. They get changed. You may not necessarily like it and you want to marginalize them and malign their names and call them gang thugs, writers. They're protesting for change and in our ability to create the narrative that identifies people as who they are and for what they're, they're fighting for and the cause they want to support and the outcomes they're seeking, we're going to call them by what they're rightfully, by who they rightfully are. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, within that space, we've been doing that, but I tell you, the job is big. Because we have huge outlets that we're competing against, but I believe you know they say, "How do you eat an elephant?" You know, like one bite at a time. One bite at a time. And we're taking one step at a time because we are on a mission to change. We we just we are we have to. And I heard I heard a report, and I just get so I just get so irritated by some of the things that I, I hear. I heard a report yesterday, and in terms of talking about equity and equality and the pay gap and stuff like that, we just have to start. <laughs> burning like burning our, our whole outfits okay yeah <laughs> just the bras because i heard a report <laughs> that said it's gonna take 61 years for women to close the pay gap and be paid the same as men i'm like why <laughs> why oh my gosh my daughters will be retired by then <laughs> like 61 years like why it's just a pay raise i mean come on um, things like that. So I, re- well, yeah, it's very hard to change a culture. It, I mean, is. it is. It's, I mean, we talk about this in like corporate spaces, think about it on a national level. I mean, it's very hard to change a culture. And usually when you do, you're met with a ton of resistance. You but are. What you're talking yeah. about doing, it's accountability. We're going to yeah. hold people accountable. We you are. know, we're going to hold each other accountable. I mean, we need to understand the power of our words and our actions and, and no, we're not going to sit back and just, you know, the typical example of like, Oh, we're not going to sit back and laugh at, you know, uncle Frank's racist joke at Thanksgiving. Like, no, (laughs) and no, we're not trying to cancel uncle Frank, but when is anybody going to stand up and say, that's not okay. And that's what's happening. And It's not cancel culture yeah. to hold somebody accountable because, you know, words are damaging. You know, we talked last time about the trauma that so many people carry yeah. for so many different reasons because of their own personal lives, because of COVID, because of the racial tensions that have been, um, you know, heightened and, you know, just put under a spotlight in the last, I'll just say four plus years. And 2020 was like just the pinnacle and a lot of good came out of it. But the good that came out was because people were willing to speak. And so, yeah, yeah, just, just, I think it's important to know that when you're going to speak up, you're going to get backlash. 
um, and everybody's not going to agree with you. But if you only stick to spaces where everybody agrees with you, then you're not going to make a difference either. The people who need, the people who disagree with you are the ones who need to hear from you. And, you know, I, I sort of think about it the same way as, you know, we're always told um, about evangelizing, like, you know, we may plant that first seed that makes somebody think, hmm, maybe there's more to how I viewed this issue or, you know, it's not even like, I think when you think about it in terms of like, oh, I'm not going to plant a seed in a guy wearing a white pointy hat and get him to change his mind. No, but most people aren't the guy in the white pointy hat, right? Right. So it's just the little idea and there's a way to do it as well that, um, you know, I think we can choose to be just matter of fact, we can be passionate about it, but it, you know, doesn't have to be, I don't think as combative as so many people are and want it to be. So, yeah, I just, you said something and I've just been quoting Audre Lorde all year long and she is pretty incredible to me. I've read and I've been rereading her books and um, the, the first thing that um, jumped out at me is her quote that says, your silence will not protect you. My silence will, did not protect me. And then she had said something about, you know, um, how to t- tell people who we are, tell them how you weren't whole, tell them how you weren't this, this whole person, because at the end of the day, you ha- tell them about how broken you are. Um, and at the end of the day, there are words that you have that needs to be spoken. And if you continue to suppress it, one day it will just, the words will just come up and kick you in your mouth so that they could be let out. And she's just a, a super advocate for speaking out, however that is. And then she's, she said exactly what she said. Once you start speaking, people are not going to like you. They're going to try to silence you. They're going to complain about you. They're going to malign your character. They're going to try to get you to go back into the box that you were comfortably, they comfortably had you in or had conditioned you to remain in. And she said, keep speaking anyways, because at the end of the day, silence doesn't protect you. But once you start speaking, you will find people to come around you to receive your message, to support your message, to join your cause. And I, I find and I take comfort in her words and then in, in, in words of people and activists like mm-hmm. who, who champion the cause of speaking out. And the reason why I'm even more determined to speak out is because for a long time, I've always been um, a person to stand up for others. And I've always been a person to speak um, for other people. Even when I know some of the things um, I will actually ask on behalf of others or speak on behalf of others. But I have realized in in our previous um, podcast, you had said something about, um, gosh, what was it, Nikki? Um, it'll come to me, but you had said something about, um, oh gosh, but anyways, um, I just, this is what she said. Like some of you might be in a season or a space of regretting or feeling frustrated that you stay in a space and you, you're, you're mad at yourself for staying in a space for too long. And I, when you said that, I was going to say, oh my gosh, Nikki, that was me last month. I was in this little funk. Um, Because I started thinking about all the years I stayed in spaces that kind of pacified me, where mostly they kind of knew that I had this fire 
whatever they call it, passion, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, advocacy or a woman on a mission. You know, you get, they don't call these labels other than your name. Audre Lord again says, people are always asking me to pick up parts of myself that makes them comfortable so that they, they could dissect it and promote it and the parts of me that they like. But um, I'm more than what people like. I'm more than what makes people comfortable. I'm everything that they like, and I'm I'm the truth that they hate to hear. I'm all those things and so much more. But I last month I was in this uh, <laughs> I was in this funk because I was doing just that. Like, why did I stay in these spaces so long when I've been fighting and kicking against the bricks for to sort of to have people hear me or see that there there's there's so much more to me than what they they were willing to accept. And I just became really frustrated and um, irritated that I saw what was happening and I know who I am and I experienced the frustration and I stayed and I felt like I stayed too long. And you're right, you, you don't, you don't stay too long. That catapulted me to here where I am not going to be quiet. I'm, I'm, I'm now skilled and adept at recognizing when you're pacifying me to keep me suppressed. I am skilled and capable of deciphering and, and um, dissecting your, your appeasements and your, your, your words and your, your compliments to keep me attached and hold, be holding to you in a favorable way when it's time for me to call you out on, um, keeping me in a state of suppression, keeping me in a pattern of delay, keeping me in a pattern of, um, of keeping them comfortable, of keeping them comfortable. I'm not recognizing that. And I'm more intentional about speaking out regardless of how anyone feels about it, because at the end of the day, it is my voice. It is the mission is what I've been called to. It is, um, the purpose to which I've been assigned to exist within this life. Mm-hmm. And I am no longer going to allow people to use their pacifist words to keep me com- to keep them comfortable and to keep me from being who I truly am, which is an advocacy of truth and truth and an, adv- and, an and an advocate for others. So, um, yeah, when you said that, uh, <laughs> in the previous podcast, I was going to say, Oh my God, but <laughs> Yeah. No, but we have totally a responsibility natural. to yeah. speak out. Yeah, it's yeah. We, do, we do. And it, it doesn't always feel comfortable because you're not always going to get invited to the, the party. You're not always mm-hmm. get invited to the in thing. And you have to learn to be okay with that. Yep. Because you your people are waiting for you. It's just that you are trying to be with the people that can't handle you. And you're not going to be able to be accepted and welcomed by everyone. So yeah. We have a responsibility, and I am so happy to be in this space with you because we're we're taking on these things um, that um, maybe for women of faith, that's us, um, who wouldn't have been given the permission to speak within those faith circles in the faith community to talk about, to address things, to talk about um, how the faith has been weaponized to keep women um, in their a uh, place. Mm-hmm. Uh, or how it has been weaponized to keep us believing things that keeps us to, to keep us quiet or to keep us silent or to exist unseen 
And I appreciate being here because we recognize that authority and our the, the authority that we've been given doesn't come from a person on the pulpit. And it doesn't come from a person that leads your small group. We have been carefully and wonderfully made and put together and knitted together to complete a, a mission. And a lot of times what well, you and I have experienced and we weren't a, a, attempting to remove anyone from their position, but I, we, we, were, we were so conditioned to defer to certain people because maybe they had a title, maybe they were in a role where we are more learned, more educated, more capable, and yet we were silenced. Uh, oh, well, yeah. silenced. We were passed over because maybe for whatever reason um, of the discomfort that we may present, we have presented in, in the faith community and in, in our living community. And at the end of the day, when you when that fire is inside of you and you know it needs to get out, you find a way to get it out. And yeah, I mean, it follow look, you. Looking back um, on that experience, um, I think God knew that's not where we were supposed to be to do this work. And yeah. I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And looking back, I can see where he opened the door earlier for us to move into the calling he had given us. Um, but we were, we had, we were so conditioned, like you were saying, mm -hmm. to how these things are done. And we have to stay with this, within these little four walls. And these are the people who are going to um, give us the authority to move out. And, you know, I think it had to get to the point where you know, I, I, my visual is that we stood in front of an open door for a very long time. And finally, God just came by and kicked us in the butt to get us through and the door. And that's just in a <laughs> like, variety of are you waiting too. for? Yeah. yeah. Um, like a lot of people don't necessarily know how long we've been working together because they've seen us do this podcast and they're like, oh, you and Nikki are doing a thing. Well, actually, we've been doing a thing for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there are different spaces, like in different in different ways, in different roles, and in different service to each other and to other people. And things just blossom to the surface. And we spent so much time thinking about things. And then when we just decided to, to move on a couple of things, we just start moving. Yeah. Um, uh, but it took a while to have behind the scenes, like, you know, you said in the last podcast, we started doing a book club. Um, and that just was birthed out of uh, a Facebook post, actually. <laughs> mm -hmm. Then that book club evolved into a, a, an organized group under Be the Bridge. And then, actually, so we still was to say, oh, no, no, it was a, yeah, it was something else. I feel like I got to go back and look, but I feel like it was three years ago now. Well, I, I go back before three years ago. I mean, I go back I to yeah. working together at Carry to Full Term. I go back, mm -hmm. you know, I just go back further. Oh, yeah, yeah. And how right. our lives were like intricately connected before. And there were so many opportunities to do different things, but we were like focused on the thing at the moment. But there yeah. were other things that were brewing and kind of like um, didn't step right away on a lot of other things. And then recognizing when the opportunity came to do this podcast and to lead out on our own, it's kind of like, you know what? We, we've kind yeah. of been practicing how to do this for a while. Yeah. Let's just just hit, go. So we still have to say, yeah, like do your thing, take the steps, 
walk out. Um, a lot of times we defer too much of our authority and too much of our power and too much of our gifting to man, humans, mm-hmm. who are not God, you know, um, they're just like me and you. And sometimes you're probably more skilled than the human that you're waiting for to give you permission to do the thing. Yeah. So do the thing, just go out and do it because do it, speak it. Somebody's dependent, dependent on you doing that. Right. That's right. So that's where we are. This is who we are. This is our voice. We're using it. And these are the words that we've been given to speak to you. Yes. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We've been talking about cancel culture. Yeah. And unless you speak, you really can't address the people who are louder in the spaces where you're being drowned now because your voice mm-hmm. is needed. And I just don't believe in cancel culture. I believe in everybody doing, and I don't believe in the people who cry. Oh, cancel culture. Yeah. We, we, yeah. I'm in the faith community and I know we have perfected canceling people um, mm-hmm. because homosexuality is canceled in the faith community. Let's just get that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, pre- a teenage girl pregnant without, before she's married, married, she's canceled, you know? Mm-hmm. Um Abortion, well, that doesn't exist in the faith community because we don't even recognize that girls in that church have yeah. abortions. I mean, come on. Um, adultery, that's, we yeah. are famous for canceling people who are imperfect, caught in a fallen world. You know, it's so convenient. I was talking to my daughter the other day when Billy Graham fell from grace by, you know, having um, indiscretions with other women great he was he fell from grace when because we are in a fallen world when a teenage girls have premarital sex and she gets pregnant and she's an abortion she's ostracized she's cast out why isn't she falling from grace also i mean we are perfect at canceling people we're in the faith community and we're here to break all that so i just i think it's ridiculous and i think that um we, we need to understand that our relationship with God is up and down. It's you, it's one-on-one. It's not, you know, that's why I, was, I said the other day, I, I, my daughter and I were having a conversation with organic Jesus, no fillers. Like Jesus, the raw Jesus who does human to human, you got to God, God to human, that who does that? Like, you don't have to like have all these, like, you know, you had said Nikki in our previous, you don't have to have all your stuff together so that he could finally shine his graces upon you raw jesus doesn't do that you know and if you had it all together you wouldn't need grace you wouldn't so that's that's who we are where that's our cancel culture is canceled (laughs) i don't know there you go (laughs) canceling cancel culture there you go i think we just named this episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and we and we're gonna keep lending our voice to speaking the truth yeah. and calling. And we hope we encourage you guys to yeah to do the same. And we 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 speak accountability for what we see and for ourselves too. You hold us accountable if we say something. We you're quick with the comment. We know we see him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, great. This was this Thank was you another another good one. Thank you all. Thank you, Franny talk to you soon Nikki, this is awesome thank you yes. i'm so happy to be doing life and podcast and space and randomness with you yay <laughs> yay all right we'll talk to Bye. you guys soon cancel culture or accountability failure to speak up and allow injustice to continue is failure to hold people accountable for the harm they cause don't be fooled by the cries of cancel culture keep speaking up thanks for listening
This podcast was recorded at Double Door Studios in Gainesville, Virginia, hosted by Franny Robin and Nikki Bland. Produced and engineered by Kenny Bland. Original music by Ryan Robin. Original artwork by Ellie Bland.